Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're joined by Susan Dwyer, the founder of Rise Up. Susan, you're very welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me. Delighted to be here. Delighted to have you. Typical fashion of the show, three main areas, early influences, challenges, pivotal moments. Um, no different with you. We're going to start with spending the first couple of minutes getting to know you. If I've done my research correct, you grew up uh, in Dublin, potentially the Rathmines area, because I know you went to Alexandra College. Am I correct or incorrect with that? Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> And now I grew up in Drogheda in County Louth. Okay. And I went to Alex, yeah, in Dublin, but I, I boarded there. So, okay. Um, I've spent, yeah, probably most of my life in Dublin, to be fair. Um, but yeah, from Drogheda, and that's where I grew up. What was life like growing up out there? Any kind of favorite stand up memories? Uh, yeah, lots of good memories. Like, I'm the eldest of five, um, so we had a busy, busy household. Um, we uh, like live pretty near a beach. So that was kind of a big part of our childhood, played lots of sports right next door to the tennis club. So, um, that was a big part of my childhood. So yeah, lots of, um, lots of good memories. Okay. Uh, before we move on from this segment of the podcast, one of the questions I ask is around impact and influence. Usually people can point to an acquaintance, school teacher, a friend, a relative, um, someone who had a big impact on their early years that's helped them become the person they are today. Does any one or two or three people spring to mind for you? Um, influences. Yeah, I probably, I probably was really lucky growing up. I had a lot of, you know, kind of strong female role models in my life. Um, I have a really good relationship with my mum. Um, I was really lucky to almost have a second mum. She was called Auntie Bernie. She minded us, basically. Um, and she had a huge influence on me. And, yeah, I, I had two grandmothers who were both entrepreneurs and successful businesswomen. So I feel like I had a pretty fortunate start in life um, having these people kind of around me. So, yeah, lot, lots of... Lots of good influences from an early age. Awesome. Very cool to hear that your grandmothers were entrepreneurs. Um, you did a BA uh, in college at UCD and then went on to complete a master's in management. What attracted you to stay on the extra year to do a master's in management? And why did you pick management? Um, that's a good question. Um, yes, I went to UCD, did a Bachelor of Arts degree. Um, to be honest, I was never a big fan of college or academics um, didn't do particularly well wasn't overly engaged um, and then I suppose after the I did okay sorry I didn't do terribly but after mm. the three years I like I was what 20 I don't know what age are you when you graduate 21 22? yeah 21 22 um, and I just still didn't have a clue what I wanted to do I'd like not a clue I knew I was good with people and I knew I always wanted to do something that involved dealing with people, but I didn't realize, I didn't know how I would turn that into a career. And so 
you know, my family all come from business backgrounds and, you know, it was kind of their idea, well, maybe you should go and do a, um, a master's in business management. So, you know, again, I was just trying to not prolong my decision-making process, but I suppose help me figure out the direction that I was going to go. Um, and yeah, like ultimately it wasn't really until I finished college and my master's and I went traveling um, I lived in, in London and I lived in New York for a couple of years. That's when I kind of really started to come into my own. Um, mm. So yeah, um, there wasn't any I suppose, specific reason. Uh, but having said that, you know, it was good experience. And, mm-hmm. um, I've yeah. heard the UCD Smurfist uh, college is is a is a great place to to go to i've had a number of friends who've got masters in marketing from there and they've all highly recommended it you, you mentioned traveling i do have some questions around traveling later on in the podcast but i noticed that one of your earlier roles on linkedin was that you spent almost two years at morgan mckinley i'm reading from my screen here because the title i don't know was a recruitment consultant um kind of curious to know was there any lessons you took from those let's say two years i think it was just shy of two years any skills you improved did you manage to build a nice network of people that you've tapped into in the future did you manage to improve communication skills what did you take from your two years at morgan mckinley um yeah i guess i spent the last kind of seven years in recruitment as a whole and i think as a business like it's all about people essentially your selling people to other people mm. in, a, in a in the legal sense um and I guess you yeah like you, you you learn about building relationships and you know for me like that's what business is all about is mm. building trust with people and building strong relationships um and you know working closely with candidates particularly in the recruitment world you know, you kind of get an insight into like their motivations and, you know, why are they unhappy here and why are they moving here and why are they negotiating pay on X? And for me, like I, that was really interesting. I kind of learned, you know, how people work in that kind of corporate environment and and that setting. Um, and I learned that, you know, people at the end of the day do business with people that they like. And, mm-hmm. so, you know, we can all spot a salesperson from a mile away. But if you actually just focus on building trust with your candidates and your clients and actually being vulnerable with them and, you know, being honest with them, like that's how I built my network and, and mm-hmm. my relationships. And, you know, it, it stood to me. Um, and so that's that, that was kind of my biggest learning from recruitment that, you know, people have emotions and, and feelings. And I think if you tap into that and if you're genuine with people, um, you know, they'll want to work with you and it just makes everything a lot easier. That's a pretty cool insight to get, like some of the common trends that will pop up around why people are unhappy in, in, in roles and, and things like that. Um, you're the founder of Rise Up. The reason you're on this podcast so rather than me make an attempt at telling people what it is why don't you take the mic and spend 30 to 60 seconds telling people what it is and why you started it sure um yeah so rise up is my newest venture i set it up this time last year and basically it's an online career development platform for for women so our mission is to advance more women in their careers 
and also to work with companies to help them to narrow that gender leadership gap. So we do a mix of things. We do programs around coaching and mentoring um, and networking as well to, to, to help empower women in their careers um, and promote more women into leadership positions. So something that I'm personally very passionate about, you know, when I reflect on my time in recruitment, I spent the last couple of years in executive search, so headhunting for all these kind of key leadership positions. And, you know, the most obvious problem to me was that there was such a massive gap at that top level. You know, all my clients would be coming to me saying, hey, Susan, want to hire a CFO this month or a COO this month? Heads up, you know, 80% of our leadership team is male. We need an and want to hire a woman this month. And so this is just something that kept on happening again and again and again. Um, you know, that I thought, well, you know, there needs to be more solutions focused around addressing this, this gap. And I think, you know, we all have, most companies have very good intentions, um, but there's definitely a big disconnect um, between the intentions and the action. So I'm trying to help with the, with the action. Mm. Well, before we jump into this, there's two testimonials from your site that I pulled to kind of give people an idea of how you work. Uh, first testimonial is, I can't remember the name, but it is, the workshop was an extremely practical and beneficial experience in breaking down the steps for defining my future career and role. It felt like a safe place where we could all share our experience and listen to one another. The second one is, I really enjoyed the Rise Up Maternity workshop. Almost 50 women in a Zoom room was uplifting. The content of the workshop addressed the biggest interferes I think most women have about returning to work and allowed space to reflect on where we have those fears and offer tips on what might do to uh, address them. So with those two testimonials, and there's plenty more on your website, I'll leave links below to all your content and your website and your LinkedIn account as well, if anyone wants to connect with you. I've got a question. You wrote a blog on your website around what mentorship mentorship means to you. And one quote that you highlighted and bold on it that I liked and stood out to me as well was uh, having to figure out things alone cost me time. So where do you see the value in having a mentor? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I like mentorship for me is invaluable. It's, you know, a, a no brainer when it comes to growing and developing your career um I think like it's a massive part of what we do at Rise Up because often you know a lot of us work in more male-dominated industries and we might not have those kind of female role models in our company or in our industry so I wanted to create a space a safe space where people can connect with others and learn from those I think you know a mistake I made and why I set up Rise Up, Rise Up in the first place was that I was at a, I felt stuck in my career as, as we all experience at some point or another. And I was in a complete fog and I didn't know like what direction I was going in. And, you know, to my own detriment, instead of kind of reaching out to people who have gone through similar things, I kind of went through this period of trying to figure things out by myself. And it took me, it took me a while and had I, had I had a mentor to help me get through that, um, you know, we may have came to the same solution, but I would have gotten there a lot quicker. And that's the benefit I see with mentorship. It's, 
it's having that kind of impartial individual in your life or individuals. I think we should have multiple mentors um, that we can go to who doesn't care about your personal life, who doesn't care about, you know, you and your work, but is just there for you and, and to help guide you. And for me, like, you know, that is invaluable. And I think, you know, the reality is whatever problem that I'm facing today for the very first time, you know, you can be guaranteed that there are millions of other people out there who have A, gone through the exact same challenge, but B, have overcome it and, you know, turned it into something good. And so, you know, it makes complete sense to, to seek these people out. But often I think, you know, when I was looking for a mentor, for example, I went about it the completely wrong way. And, you know, I think people are a bit awkward about how to approach mentors. Mm-hmm. You know, sending like a really successful woman who I'm sure is very business, a DM on LinkedIn been like, hey, you know, do you want to be my mentor? You know, there's a certain there's a certain way to go about these things. And it's not that formal approach. It's, it's more informal than that. So basically, like with Rise Up, I wanted to take that stress and anxiety away from women because a lot of us, sorry, not just women, women and men. A lot as humans, I don't think we like to ask for help. I think it can be difficult mm-hmm. for a lot of us. And so, yeah, I just wanted to create a community whereby mentorship was like this really natural thing. Um, and that, you know, instead of having one mentor, well, why not have, you know, a community of mentors? I like it. Gender diversity is something I want to talk about. And there's this story that Rory Sutherland tells, tells it much better than I do, but essentially it's about back how England were the leaders in the technology space and how they could have been the leaders today in the technology space, but they've fallen behind. And it's a story of World War II when uh, they needed more people to help them out on computers. And actually women were better at the job than men. And they brought a ton of women in and they became the leaders in that space. And then as soon as the war was over, they fired all the women and they've never got back to that level of like being the leaders in the tech, in the technology space uh, or, or at the forefront of it. Um, just an example of why gender diversity is important. And it, he tells the story much better than I do. And I'll leave a link to that segment. I think it's a four or five minute clip where he talks about it if anyone's interested in the actual story. But what I strive for is an equal voice for all in terms of, hiring the person that's best suited to the role rather than just giving it to someone based on their, on their gender. So I'm interested from your perspective, um, what steps can be taken to improve gender diversity? I asked this because there's a guy I'm, I'm friends with. He's a VPSL in the UK again. Um, and he says that um, men are more likely to take a risk at going for a job. If they see some of the requirements that they don't meet, whereas women are more likely to not put themselves forward for a job. If there's requirements that they don't meet. So from your angle, what do you think can be taken to improve gender diversity to get more of an of a equal mix? Yeah, um, that's a, a good question. And I think um, it's a big question. You know, there's a number of things that can be done and, and some of them are more simple than others. But I think, you know, as a starting point, you know, we all know that there's a massive gender pay gap. And so the more companies that are being transparent about what they're paying their employees and encouraging employees to also share, you know, what they're being paid is is the first step. Because, you know, that is a big, big part of it. Um, 
So the transparency of pay is one thing. I think another thing is 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 when is talent attraction, right? So when companies are hiring for new talent, um, I, I've seen a lot of companies do very informal interview processes. So you know, meet with Joe Blogs for a chat, and and then meet with Zones for another chat, and it actually doesn't work. Like when it comes to hiring the best candidate. Mm. So like I'm encouraging companies to, to, to start like proper formal interview structures and plans mm. whereby there's a certain set of questions that you ask the candidate and then the next person, the next interviewer comes in, they ask the exact same questions and then they compare notes. And that is how you're going to, and not just get the best gender, like it's not, but that's how you're going to get the best qualified candidate because often you know, say, for example, we hit it off, you know, you went to the same school as me and, you know, unconsciously, I'm like, yeah, I like this person, you know, they're like me, you know, I want to hire this person. And so, you know, companies really need to start looking at their interview process. Um, Agreed. It is a big thing. And then, you know, another massive thing is embracing a company culture of diversity, equity and inclusion tapping into more diverse networks to attract more diverse talent. And genders is one, one piece of a much bigger pie when it comes to um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But you know, if you're constantly looking at the same talent pools or going to the same people to attract new hires, you're gonna, you're gonna keep hiring the same people. So you know, companies really have to get creative about how they're attracting more diverse talent. And unless they do that, you know, there's no change. There's no change that's going to happen. Um, and so, you know, I personally think that, okay, you attract diverse talent, then that's the first thing. But the inclusivity piece is almost, you know, the bigger challenge. So, okay, I've attracted this person. How do I make them feel like they belong here? How do I make them feel included? How do I how do I make them, you know, feel safe and, and happy and that they can be vulnerable and open up? You know, that's that's a big piece that a lot of companies need to figure out. Um, and the first step is, is awareness, like, you know, and especially at leadership level, having that self-awareness and acknowledging your unconscious bias um, and, and act accordingly around that. So, yeah, I think awareness... awareness Sounds low. It sounds like there could be work done not just on the hiring point, on the onboarding point as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's a, it's a complete three hundred and sixty lifestyle. It's the it's the it's the it's the employee experience from hiring to retaining. Um, so yeah. Well, there's a there's a blog you wrote on ten ways to attract and retain talent in 2021, um, and I'll leave a link to that below. You went traveling in 2020 to some amazing places in South America. Uh, Colombia is a high on my list of places to visit. Um, there's a quote you mentioned that I really like, and it's, we travel because we need to, uh, because distance and difference are the secret tonic to creativity. When we get home, home is still the same, but something in our minds has changed, and that changes everything. So my question is, how do you think travel changes your perspective on life? um how and i know sorry. that's a big question to just <laughs> drop on you the question and that i didn't that i took that quote from someone else i can't i, I can't okay. claim that one. um but i don't know i think you know for me i had 
I'd never really taken a break from work. I'd always just kept working. I went from one job to the next and I didn't take a break in between. And like, as someone who worked in recruitment, that totally went against my own advice. I would always tell people before you change jobs or careers or whatever, make sure you take some time off in between because if you don't, like you're never gonna get the clarity and you know, in terms of what you actually want out of your career, out of life. And for me, like I had been on a treadmill for seven years, pretty much never really taking time to think about, you know, what's actually important to me. What am I passionate about? You know, what am I interested in? What kind of impact do I want to have? And so like I, I went traveling by myself, which, you know, is, is, is not, cool. is not something that everyone does, but I really wanted to give myself a chance to, I don't know, just reflect and experience things by myself. So on that particular trip, like I did it, I did a lot of that. Um, I suppose when you spend, of course I met people along the way, but when you spend kind of a lot of time by yourself, you're kind of forced, <laughs> you're forced to face your thoughts. And, you know, that's exactly what I did. I took a lot of time out to reflect on the things that I wanted to do in life. Um, I also spent a lot of time getting to know people from all over the world, people who I'd never meet in my small little bubble in Dublin. And mm. so it gave me like huge perspective, um, like it does to most people when they go traveling, um, you know, that there, there's just so much to learn and there's so much to do. And there's so many interesting people out there. And for me, like when I came back, I was just really determined to, do something I was passionate about and also to have a positive impact on whatever it is that I was going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, traveling kind of gave me that inspiration and that clarity piece. Well, now you're the founder of Rise Up. Um, what's your favorite aspect of, of being your own boss or being a CEO? Um, that's a good question. I... I don't know if I was ever a very good employee, to be honest. Um, like I used to kind of, I remember doing this test in Morgan McKinley, my first employer, and like I failed the compliance piece. <laughs> but I don't know if it's an element of not, you know, I don't really like to be told all the time what to do. So I guess for me, like flexibility is really important. I like to create my own schedule. Um, and I like the autonomy of being able to do what I want to do and when. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, for me, it's kind of the creative freedom and the autonomy piece that's important. I've got three final questions for you. One of them is I'm always interested in how people continue to grow their, their business and you've got a growing community of, of members. Um, I'd imagine that a huge percentage of where new members come from is from referrals and word of mouth. Are there any other ways that you continue to go? I know you were recently had, a, had an article on RTE, but are there any other ways that you continue to get the word out about your, your, your community to grow it? Um, yeah, like for me and being part of a community, it's all about providing value that's, resonating with your audience um and once like so it's constantly about providing value and content and 
you know, I would set up meetings with a lot of the members to kind of chat about what they're enjoying, what could be done better and, and what they would like to see in the future around certain programs and initiatives. So it's really kind of building that trust with existing members and listening to their feedback. And look, a lot of the stuff I've done this year have been pilot programs and, you know, it's been a trial and error journey, but, you know, there's been huge learnings out of that. Um, so yeah, like you said, like the biggest, I encourage all our members to, like, I want them to want their friends to be in this community. Mm. And so like for me, they're my marketeers, like, you know, they're the people that advocate for the mentorship and the coaching and what they got out of that maternity workshop. And they tell their friends about that. So like, you know, I can invest whatever in social media marketing and this, that, and the other. But for me, like that's been the most powerful way to, to grow the community so far. If you had the final decision to add a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum, one that's not on it currently, um, and you were in, in charge, what would that subject be and why? Oh, wow. Um, what would that subject be and why? Um, I think, like, you know, school for me, as I said, like... <laughs> You know, I love the social side and I love making friends. I wasn't necessarily in love with any of my subjects. Um, but I think, you know, there's no emphasis on getting to know yourself at that young age. Like the self-awareness piece, the tapping into like, you know, what, what, do, what do I enjoy doing? Like I think so many of us after school go into the wrong career because we think it's what our parents want or it's society's expectations and the reality is most people don't enjoy their job well a huge proportion of people really dislike the job and I think you know something should be done about that in school like having those sessions about like self-awareness and you know tapping into who you are as a person your motivations what makes you tick and then maybe when you finish sixth year or whatever you might have a bit more clarity around okay well maybe this is what I want to do in college or maybe I don't want to go to college at all maybe I want to do this um so yeah I think more kind of inner work um is something that could really benefit young people um and lead them into careers that they actually enjoy and not mm. they, that they can't wait to get out of great answer great answer final question is uh, I'd like you to imagine it's the year 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade you can answer this personally, professionally, or, or a combination of both, but imagining it, it is 2030 and you're looking back, what would you like to be looking back on? Imagine it's 2030 and I'm looking back and what would I like to be looking back on? Mm -hmm. As in like my career or the yeah, world? Yeah, if you're sitting there and it's now the year 2030 and you're looking back going, I'd like to have accomplished, again, personally or professionally, X, Y, and Z in my business or X, Y, and Z personally, you can choose both or you can, you can just choose professionally if you want to and yeah what you would like to be able to sit there and go I've accomplished this I've grown the community to this size I've brought mm -hmm. on all these people I've I, I don't know you know I started this I, I stopped doing that I scaled it internationally yeah um for me I would like to look back and first of all the scene that I've grown like a really powerful global community of women Mm -hmm. and underrepresented talent 
um, like I'm all about results. So like, you know, I'd love to see kind of outcomes and like the impact that the community has had on people's careers. Um, yeah, like for me right now, it's all about growth and looking at opportunities as to how we can scale the community, um, but still like keep the value and the authenticity piece, which, you know, sometimes isn't an easy thing to do. But um, yeah, for me, just constantly right now, it's about providing value and looking to, to scale, scale the community and looking at opportunities to do that. Awesome. Well, Susan, I'll leave links to your LinkedIn, your your business website, your blog, everything we've mentioned in the podcast below and that Rory Sutherland story as well. Um, but for today, thanks for being my guest and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Beautiful morning. Beautiful morning, baby. Nothing in the water.